It's football and other F-words. We got a shitload of topics to talk about. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at F-WordsPod. He's Mike Kernan. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Kernan NFL. We're a day earlier than what we've kind of been, but hey, it's free agency. We don't expect any really big news that we're going to have to come together for tomorrow. We're not waiting for anything. Uh, so we just were like, let's just go ahead and record today. Podcasts will be out on Wednesday, and there you go. Normal normal routine in that regard. Uh, Mike, podcastkey.com. What are you expecting to write for this week? Have you decided? Yeah, I'm writing on um, kind of what free agency has been to this point, um, where the roster stands moving forward, and kind of what what options are on the table, I guess. Uh, uh, so you're just copying what I released at stackingtheinbox.com, it sounds like. So go to stackingtheinbox.com if you want a preview of what Mike is going to rip off my yeah. uh, my website. <laughs> but we're also going to talk about all that stuff today. It's just, you know, it's a, just an appropriate time to let that stuff loose. Are you going to grade the free agency moves? Are you one of those uh, website article writers that, you know, have to uh, do the same grade and the same kind of topic that every other website does? No, I'm not going to give A pluses or DEFs, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm not, not grading. I'm just talking in generalities about the, the class so far. I, I will say that I've given the overall process a B, but the roster is a C minus. So the theory of my article is to take that C minus roster because obviously the defense is really good. The offense is really bad. So that puts you in the middle and get it up to like a B plus territory. Uh, but that's all about moves and everything and all that kind of stuff. We'll get into that. But Mike, the hot topic has been and will probably remain for the foreseeable future until an announcement is made by the Tennessee Titans of what they're going to do. And that is, what are they going to do about Kevin? Kevin Byard. Isn't that a movie? What, what, are, what are we going to do about Kevin or what to do about Kevin? Is that, is that the movie or, or is that just uh, Home Alone? No, I, th- I think well, I think there is like, what are we, what's the story with Kevin? Let's, let's see. Uh, it sounds right. Out. It sounds right. Um, but anyway, it's what killed Kevin, but I feel like there was something else. Anyways, maybe one of our listeners who are listening uh, right now can throw that in the comments. Oh boy, did this just get crazy. So I like to think that I started it, even though that we didn't, you know, this podcast technically started this, this whole firestorm. Now we have to give props to the general on Twitter, like at Mac and G nine or J nine. And there was another guy, I think his name was Caleb, who also was on Twitter, who brought this to our attention. We played the Michael Lombardi clip that was on a, that was on Wednesday couple days pass. I mean, 3HL talks about it uh, on their website Wednesday while we were recording or on their radio show. Buck, you know, talked about it, both giving props to me. Then a couple of the other radio shows start filtering in. And then, you know, I listen to Stillman. I'm not ashamed to say it. Out of all the evening radio or afternoon radio shows, when I am walking the dog, usually when I'm done recording, I am listening to Jared Stillman on the walk with the dogs. Now, that uh, I still do not agree with hardly anything that Stillman ever says, and he, he normally just gets my blood boiling, but that is good for a walk. To get the heart rate up, that is good for a walk. He finally talks about because I was so surprised he hadn't talked about it at all, and he finally talks about it, but he talks about it with a sourced spin on it. He says that according to his source, that Kevin Byard has requested his release. So that is the words that he has used. This source, for those that did not watch the whole clip and just like started hating on Stillman, the source that he is quoting 
or, or from is a guy that told him about 20 minutes before John Robinson was fired that John Robinson was getting fired. So he he truly trusts this source. This source apparently has given him valuable information. Now, this causes a shitstorm for about three hours. That's 2 o'clock. 5.15 rolls around, and Bayard's agent has now texted everybody and put out the same, like, oh, well, he just wants to always retire a Titan. They're asking him to take a pay cut. They're making him look like a bad guy. And then TD also puts out that he has multiple sources that have confirmed that he has not said that he has requested a release, okay? So that's where we're at. Now, let me say this. Out of Teron Davenport's own mouth, he says that what Jared Stillman has done is not fake news. It is legitimately he was told something and he relayed it. That's, hey, guess what, guys? That's what Ian Rappaport does. That's what Adam Schefter does, what Albert Breer does, what all these guys do. So, Mike, I have explained the premise. I explained yeah. where we're at. What are your thoughts on the overall like reporting aspect of it? I mean, we've we've entered this uh, this realm where it's fake news if you disagree with it, right? Like, but if it's if it's something that you agree with, like if Stillman came out and reported, you know, tomorrow that uh, the Titans were talking to Lamar Jackson or whatever, the people who want Lamar Jackson would be like, look, look, they're talking to Lamar Jackson. The people who don't want Lamar Jackson would be like, oh, that's fake news. Uh, Stillman <laughs> making stuff up again. Like, yeah, that's just the way that this goes now um i believe stillman yeah probably did have a source tell him that that fired requested a trade and i think ultimately and i think you've talked about this too requested that, a release don't don't release, don't start release. changing That's the story right. no, no, sorry. Or not, you're gonna, you're gonna get us in trouble don't get us in trouble release us and sourced information is not a good combination for this podcast so don't get us in well, trouble <laughs> well so so look i think the what you talked about is and i think this is realistically probably what happened is he, they approached him about a pay cut. He said, I'm not taking a pay cut. Uh, if you want to give me a pay cut, you can release me. And I think that's probably about as far as it went. I, I don't know that that's necessarily a, I want to be released period end of conversation. It is, I'm not taking a pay cut, kick rocks. You know, like that's, cut that's kind of those. Yeah. Like I, I just, I just, I don't think Bayard of all people is, wanting out for no reason like and look maybe there's some possibility that like he's wanting an extension or wanting some gear because the, that's the other part of this is that, that he's and i think this is probably why they've approached him about a pay cut is he's out of the guaranteed money portion of his contract now the titans the only the reason that they would only save six million dollars if they released him is because of all the restructured charges money that has already been paid to him uh, but is now counting against the cap because of, you know, basically them putting him on a credit card uh, for a few years. Um, so, you know, to pay Julio Jones and other great decisions like that. Um, but the reason they have leverage is because it's not guaranteed money and they could cut him and he, they don't, don't owe him anything more cash wise. Um, do you think that's enough leverage? Like to me, that doesn't feel like that's no, enough leverage it, at all. I don't like think if, it if is. you were saying that who had the leverage is like ninety percent right. buy or ten percent. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it gives them enough okay. leverage, but I think that's why that they're. I think that's why they're approaching him about this. Um, is that he is does not have guaranteed money left, and they know that you know that that gives them some ability to have that conversation. Now, I, I think 
if they cut him tomorrow, uh, he would be signed the next day for probably about the same that he's making um, currently. So I, I don't think he is in any position to lose money. Uh, it's, and he knows that. That's probably why he told them, you know, well, then cut me, you know? Yeah, let's see. Let's see what you want to do. But uh, I think it was just them calling their bluff. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin. That is that is going to be the title of the podcast, by the way, as well. Okay. Uh, but that's that is Tilda Swinton and John C. Riley. It's a it's a that movie. Okay. That's uh, what I was okay. thinking. Of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So we we are both in firm agreement, despite people trying to twist our words <laughs> last week. I mean, it was an honest mistake, by the way. I'm just poking fun of uh, Jacob Sane, one of our listeners, but. We're both in agreement. It would be absolutely moronic and stupid to cut Kevin Byer because that's what we said. We yes. we think that at the minimum, if you're going to get rid of him, you're going to have to trade him. But I want to dive into a different aspect of this, and that is the people that have gone on to say that why aren't they going at, towards Ryan Tannehill? Why aren't they asking him to take a pay cut? Well. There is a couple of different issues. First, we don't. I'm pretty sure that they have approached Ryan Tannehill about his current contract number. Yeah. Now, whether it's been leaked or not, I don't. I mean, that to me doesn't get that adds validity. But I don't think that you that is a must for this to be a true statement because yeah. they even yeah. talked about it in one of the things they uh, press conference. I think it was at the combine where they talked about mentioning talking to him about his contract or talking to him about agents or something and all that kind of stuff yeah but it's also just like kind of common sense that you're gonna have to talk to him about that and weigh your options and see what you can do that is the whole point of all and i think that's why you see Tannehill on a bunch of people saying oh i think Tannehill could get cut or i think Tannehill could get traded it's because obviously they've probably have talked and it's kind of gotten out a little bit that Tannehill's available or Tannehill's may not going to be long for this world in Nashville. I, I, I think that people are automatically like just clinging to this fact that they cannot believe that they asked buyer take a pay cut first. And here's what I'll say to that. I think that is the first thing you should ask because that is the easiest thing to do. And that is the thing that doesn't put you in law, your doesn't jeopardize the long term health of your franchise from a cap situation, a money situation, and all that kind of stuff. If he's willing to take a little bit of a pay cut so you can afford Jeffrey Simmons, they've done it to Brady. I don't see why Bayard is any different than people that, that have taken pay cuts in the past. Yeah. So and that the way, should the, be the first step. The and I heard you mention, uh, you know, Harrison Smith as a comp for him. Yeah, they Harrison Smith just took a pay cut, like, yeah. he, he just got approached for and took a pay cut, uh, to stay with the Vikings. So that's and he's 33, I mean, and I'm thinking happens. like this contract, him and Harrison Smith are just such parallels because of their eight. The hair Kevin Byard is like the next Harrison Smith, right? Like, Harrison Smith gets an extension, then here comes Kevin Byard's extension now. Harrison Smith got asked to take a pay cut. Now maybe Byers needs to be asked to take a pay cut. And they're both similar ages. So I don't see, like, here's the thing. Because everybody's talking about just restructure, just restructure, just restructure. The Saints who have done this restructuring thing that everybody wants to point to and say, well, the cap is fake. The cap is fake. Look, they just restructure all the contracts. Saints are the prime example of why they're, it's uh, the cap is fake. Sure. 
the cap is manipulative, being able to be manipulated. But you know what it does? It makes you one of the oldest fucking rosters with nothing to show for it. Because the Saints are one of the oldest rosters and have been over the last five seasons. They've been in the bottom half in terms of how old they are. And it's because they are stuck and they keep, instead of bringing in youth, they are restructuring because of what they have done in the past. They keep on having to restructure and kick the can down the road. And they have a really old team that is not contending for anything. And it does even with Derek Carr. It is not contending for anything with these old pieces around them. They have to blow. They're on the verge of, it's like a bubble. The bubble is about to burst. The housing bubble for the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints is about to burst. And we're just all yeah. waiting for it. And then it's going to be a big round of, I fucking told you the cap is real. Well, and, and that, that's the way it works, right? Like, you can kick the can, the can down the road for an extended period of time if you're chasing a championship or whatever. Um, and and the that's Saints what John Robinson that. was doing, right? And that's what John Robinson was doing. It's what the Falcons did uh, following that, that you know, run in 2016 where they got so close and then they just kept doubling down, doubling down, doubling down until eventually Thomas Dimitrov lost his job over it uh, because the Falcons got in cap hell because they – you know, ended up having to get rid of Matt Ryan. I had to get rid of Julio Jones. Like they had to blow it up and start over. And that is where the all teams end up. The the Saints will end up there. Uh, and look, the Saints right now are honestly in the worst spot to me. Cause like that team is old. That team just committed to paying Derek Carr. They are stuck in, and they aren't winning. Like they are not winning anything. This year, they they are they have been trying year. to recapture that 2009, well, I think it was 2009 Super Bowl run or whenever it was, and props to Rand Carthon for recognizing that hey we need to quit trying to chase that AFC Championship game from three three seasons ago and start getting us into a better uh, situation cap wise health wise and one of the pieces to talk about is Kevin Byard. Yeah, I mean, and that's it's just the reality of the, the situation, like. The Titans have an older roster too, right? Like if you look at their stars, anyways, Tannehill's what thirty three, I think. Uh, Byard's gonna be thirty this season. Um, Eric Henry's yeah, gonna be thirty. Eric Henry's gonna be thirty this season. Uh, Danico Autry's thirty three. I mean, it, it's an older team. Like the young stars are, you know, I guess Landry, if you want to call him that. Um, you know. And then Simmons, and that's kind of it. I mean, as far as like the star level players, um, most of them are old and like they are coming to the end of the road. And that's why I think it makes sense that if the Titans are sitting here going, look, we're in a bad cap situation. We've got an older team. We're not ready to compete right now. Um, we should look at what we can do to move off of some of these older pieces and get off of these contracts. Cause that will help get us out of this cap jail because look, they've got like all the 2024 cap space they could possibly want right now. That'll dwindle a little bit as they continue to sign free agents, draft class, extend Jeffrey Simmons, et cetera, et cetera. But they are going to have cap space next year. If they don't play this game of restructure, 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 because if they turn around and restructure Ryan Tannehill, all that's doing is taking money from next year. You know, it just takes money off the board for next year. And, you know, sure and, you can... and quite possibly because what he has, how many void years? Uh, I mean, I he, he has, has two or three. Yeah, he has two. So if you extend or restructure, then you got to remember you're going to have all that dead money coming and, back next year to add it on top 
of the dead money that you're creating unless you extend them. And then you're right. stuck with Ryan Tannehill again. And you're still having to deal with that dead money. It's just spread, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just, just spread, spread out, out differently, there. you know? So it's just, it, they're in a bad spot. So I think they should be looking at all options. And like you said, like just because Ryan Tannehill's name has not been floated with reports of being asked to take a pay cut or whatever. Look, I don't think the Titans leaked that they asked Kevin Byard to take a pay cut. That definitely came from Byard's side. Um, and Byard leaking that is a different conversation than Tannehill leaking that. Because if Byard is asked to take a pay cut, the fans love Byard, yeah. right? Like we saw all right. the, the, <laughs> the outburst when people came out of that. If, if the fans heard that the Titans asked Tannehill to take a pay cut, they'd be like, yeah, he should take a pick it all the way down to zero. Like, yeah. Titans fans are so out on Tannehill. And listen, um, they, they, they didn't want Nick Westbrook and Kane to get paid $1.26 million. They're saying that's too much money. Yeah, $250,000 more than the minimum. The veteran minimum was uh, just uh, an outrage, an outrage <laughs> for Nick Westbrook and Kine. But, uh, yeah, Tannehill has no... Like the PR thing is, is the reason that <laughs> and he already Lord, has a bad PR firm. We already know that from last last off season. <laughs> right. I mean, nobody's going to have any sympathy for Tannehill if they ask him to take a pay cut. No. Um, and so it does him no good to have that out there because all their teams are just going to know. Oh well, the Titans want to want him to take a pay cut. I'm not pulling paying full freight. If I trade for him, I'm going to make the Titans eat some of that or you know whatever. Uh, it just damages both sides if that gets out there about Tannehill. For Bayard, it doesn't because Bayard still would get paid if he hit the market. He still would be, uh, you know, beloved by Titans fans regardless of what happens. Like the number of people calling into Buck Show and all these other radio shows saying, if the Titans get rid of Kevin Bayard, I'm done with him. Bullshit, first of all. Like, just bullshit. You don't, don't say that shit if you don't mean it because I guarantee you if the Titans came out and won for their first five games next year after trading Kevin Byard, you'd be like, this new Titans team is great. Rand Carthon made all the right moves. Like it, it would flip in a minute. So yeah. uh, don't, don't be a liar, but uh, it is, it is just a public person. Cause I, I think Byard's team clearly leaked this out. Like that is yeah. where this well, came It's from. David Mug- Muffaletta is what I like to call him. <laughs> Mulagata or Mulagata. I don't know how to say his last name. So I just say Muffaletta. Um, but he's like one of the most powerful like sports agents out there. He knows what he's doing, leaking all this stuff at different times. And let me say this. If there was not a modicum of truth to what Jared Stillman said, like even just an if he wasn't like even just like sniffing around the truth, this would have never came out at like a 5:16 p.m. on a Friday. Because right, this right. right, because this this is something that first it, look at Colin Cowherd, right? Colin Coward, he says stupid source stuff all the time. And you never see it get rebuttal, any rebuttals from agents or anything like that. He says stupid shit all the time. So this was just some incorrect stupid shit on a Friday afternoon sports show that only like, uh, I don't know how many people listen to it. So I don't want to like, I don't know how many people listen to radio in general. But I would say that like on a Friday afternoon, I'm sure the ratings go down on a, on a Friday afternoon show, Eric. Maybe they go up because everybody's traveling. I don't know. But either way, nobody's going to pay it. Nobody in the national media or a sports agent like this is going to pay attention to it if there wasn't a little bit of truth. And that this prompted him. This caught this had enough fire, enough smoke and enough fire for him to prompt promptly get, get out a text to all the agents 
into whoever maybe else wants to hear the story, right? Like, yeah, the fact that that went out. I mean, everyone sent a tweet out within 30 seconds with the exact same wording. Like, yeah. this was clearly a mess. That means there is something to it. So, something that I don't think there's really much to it, and maybe I'm just cherry-picking what I choose to believe and what I choose not to believe. But this De- DeAndre Hopkins situation I've made a complete like 180 on it. At first, I'm like, yeah, just trade it. Who gives shit? Draft picks. The closer we get to the draft and the closer I see Rand Carthon's plans for this team, DeAndre Hopkins just doesn't make any fucking sense for this team, specifically if they're still asking for a second round pick, even after the Brandon Cooks trade, which was like a steal of a of a deal for I I feel like for the uh, the Cowboys. The Cowboys are in a different roster situation than the Tennessee Titans. DeAndre Hopkins does nothing for me. Now, if they trade for him and he's in two-tone blue, and can't help but get a little excited. I mean, it's DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. But, but from the scheme of where this team has kind of shown us it's going, this theme of getting younger, getting faster, um, explosive, versatile athletes, this doesn't seem to jive, right? It doesn't match at all to me. And, like, I, I just – I can't believe how quickly – I mean, people forget about the Julio thing. And it, it is – to me, it is the Julio thing just 100% reincarnated. Because if you look at uh, – I think it was uh, Albert Breer had in his mailbox uh, – mailbag or whatever recently um, talking about the the – DeAndre Hopkins trade and that they were still wanting a second plus another something of value, whatever that means. Um, you know, he'd mentioned, you know, Hopkins has had a little bit of trouble staying on the field lately. Um, he's going to be 31 years old. He's, uh, he's barely able to practice anymore. Like he basically has to be managed through the whole season. Who does that sound like? It sounds exactly <laughs> like Julio Jones, who r- reportedly, by the way, Mike Vrabel hated the fact that he didn't fucking practice and that he couldn't be out there and, and the, the Titans. I mean, you remember how much of a struggle that offense was for most of that season, even when AJ and Julio were out there together. And it was because AJ and Julio almost didn't practice at all throughout all of training camp. And then Julio was barely practicing during the season. Like if he was out there during practice, it was like, whoa, look, Julio's feeling spry this week. Vrabel hated that apparently. Um, and I just, I cannot see them jumping right back into another 31 year old receiver, which by the way, the, the numbers on what happens to receivers, even great ones like Hopkins when they turn 30, 31 years old is really, really bad. Like when's the last time somebody traded for a 30 plus year old receiver. And we were all like, man, that worked that out worked great. It. Yeah, that worked out well. Like, uh, I can't remember one. How old was T.O. and Randy Moss when they got traded? Maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe those would be but the ones. Those are also like. Those are 20 years ago. Yeah, also. they're also like better wide receivers than Jabari Hopkins. I mean, I, I think I think Hopkins is on the level of like T.O. He wasn't on the level. Oh, no. He's no, close. Sir. He's close. No, He's sir. Close. First off, he got traded actually when he was 30, his 31st. Uh, he was 31 years old when he joined the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. In 2004. And he had, what, one year, one good year there? 
He had three, or oh yeah, because he got traded. At, he was only there for two years. Man, that flew I think by. That's right. Yeah. Quick. He, had, yeah. he had the one Super Bowl run, and then yeah, and then he had, then he got traded. I guess he went to Dallas, and he had three good years there. So me, like, I don't see, I don't see DeAndre Hopkins after age thirty putting together one, two, three, four, four one thousand yard seasons with a seven hundred sixty three yard, eight hundred twenty nine, and nine hundred eighty three yard uh, in between that. So basically, he uh he he scored thirty eight touchdowns with Dallas, twenty touchdowns with Philly in two seasons, and then one season with Buffalo five, one season in Cincinnati nine. So that is what is that? Uh, he seven seasons of sustained success by Terrell Owens. DeAndre Hopkins ain't getting anywhere close to that. And also, T.O. was a total freak as far as keeping his body in shape yeah. and all that stuff, too. Not to say that, like, Hopkins is lazy or anything, but he's not on T.O.'s level uh, from that standpoint. And also, look. Moss was comes, 30 when he went to New England, so they was for both of the guys. It, it, it hits fast, right? It hits yeah. really fast for these guys because I, I compared, you know, and I just pulled up the, you know, I, I looked at Julio, Randy Moss, Andre Johnson, and DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, because of the Titans connections with all those. But before the two years prior to each of those guys coming here, Julio had 1,394 yards and six touchdowns two years before coming here. The year before coming here, he had 771 and three touchdowns, which, by the way, he was on a great per-game pace. Like, he missed half that season uh, in Atlanta. So his per-game pace was still great. Uh, Moss had 1,000 uh, yards, 11 touchdowns two years before. One year before, he had 1,264 yards, 13 touchdowns. Andre Johnson even had 936 yards, three touchdowns, and then 503, four touchdowns the two seasons before. Hopkins is at 572 and eight touchdowns, and then 717 and three touchdowns. He has worse numbers in the two years leading up to potentially coming here than any of those guys that we all considered washed up mistakes uh, had coming into their seasons with Tennessee. So to me, this is a huge mistake written all over it. This would be the Titans literally making the exact same mistake they made two years ago again in the yeah, exact almost same exact, situation. Right? Like, because it says here, Albert Breer reports this. Because at first I'm just like, this is just lazy dot connecting. And this still may be because obviously Tim Kelly, Mike Frabel, Charles London all have worked with uh, DeAndre Hopkins in some capacity when they were all with the Texans. But this says right here, teams I'm told are interested with the possible capital to pull off a trade for Hopkins a clue, but aren't limited to the Patriots, the Giants, the Titans, and the Falcons. And if the Titans trade a second-round pick, like they traded a second-round pick for Julio, who had a bad contract, like Hopkins, who had a bad contract, you can scream at me and yell at me all you want that the cap is fake. But don't come crying to me. If they do this trade, restructure it, and then he's gone next year and he's a post-June first cut and we're carrying like 10 to, 10 to 20 million of dead cap because he was only good for one season. Uh, don't come crying to yeah. me. I, I don't want to hear about it because I'm going to say, I told you so, I'm out on the Hopkins. I am a guy, I, yeah, go ahead. He doesn't fit the bill, too. I mean, like, look, yeah. is this team is this team one DeAndre Hopkins away from being right. a, a Super Bowl contender? Absolutely not. Like, absolutely not. They would still have the worst offensive line in the division by far. Um, they would still have Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, who is fine, but not uh, – we know what he is, right? Um, and they would still have, you know, 
major issues all up and down the roster to me. I, I just don't see any scenario where it's like, oh, well, they got Hopkins and now they're a Super Bowl contender. It's just not the case. And, and if you're not going to be a Super Bowl contender, do not spend that kind of money and do not spend that kind of draft resources. Because look, a second round pick and let's say let's say it's a fourth. Let's say it's the exact same deal as a Oh my God, I'm going to throw up in my mouth. It would be horrific, all right? Like, it would be uh, taking players off of the table for the 2024 Titans, 2025 Titans, like all, all these future versions of the Titans. You're just taking players off the table because you're trying to chase, what, nine and, you know, eight? I, what what the fuck are you doing at that point? Yeah, like, like this isn't a, a, a trade for DeAndre Hopkins. Like, <laughs> in fact, the only team on this list that should be seriously consider trade for Hopkins is the New York Giants. I think they are the closest to being out of this list, the Patriots, Giants, Titans, Falcons. Yeah. The closest to needing a guy like DeAndre Hopkins that can take them to the next level, almost kind of like a short-term version of the Stephon Diggs trade, right? Like Josh Allen went through two seasons, then they trade for uh, Stephon Diggs, and boom, went off like crazy. Like maybe that could work. This team is just a, a total disaster, and I am I am totally out on DeAndre Hopkins, and that's that's complete one eighty. I've I've came full circle and changed my mind, or semi circle. Diggs but, Diggs was twenty seven, you know, when he was traded too. So I mean, that's and that's yeah. the thing. Like if if DeAndre Hopkins was twenty seven or twenty eight years old, I'd be in. Like I'd be like, yeah, why not? You know, makes this team better in the short term, and you could still have him around for two or three years. Uh, at a pretty high level, but there's no chance he's going to be at a really high level in two to three years. There's just not. And that's when this team needs to be good. Well, let's talk about this because DeAndre Hopkins is just one little nugget that came out today. There's another nugget. Lots of nuggets. Nugget. Lamar Jackson, of course, over the weekend, I put out uh, NFL executives made the connection when approached by Jeremy Fowler about where could Lamar Jackson land? And a couple NFL execs said, well, if it comes down to fit, you kind of look like a team like the Tennessee Titans likes to run the football. You know, that that could be a fit for them, okay? that That's pretty much the connection. So that day that that comes out, I asked Music City Bets, what are the odds that the Titans are going to be the team that Lamar Jackson plays for? So he goes and looks it up. And I believe it was it's DraftKings, but I am not I am not entirely sure where he got this information, but he pulled up a bunch of the teams. And they were at uh plus twelve hundred odds. They were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They were the tenth team, and this is Lamar Jackson's next team, if not the Ravens. So this is they were the tenth best team, tenth best odds for him to land there. Okay. That has shifted. Bet Online AG today uh, put out, or, or sorry, at bookies.com uh, put out the Lamar Jackson 2023 team odds. Ravens plus 225, Titans plus 400. That's an 800 point shift in odds in favor of the Tennessee Titans. While the Colts dropped down the rankings, they were the, the number one earlier. Now they are number five, if you include the Ravens. They had jumped all the way up. That's some big odds. There's a lot of smoke out there, Mike. And if everybody subscribes to stackintheinbox.com, you can go read my two-part article series on Lamar Jackson at the Titans, and specifically part two, that talks about the best way for this to happen 
is for the Tennessee Titans to wait till after the draft and do everything as like a post-June 1st designation. Okay. Mike, I know that no pro football talk came out and they got an agent. There's a rogue unlicensed agent roaming the streets, <laughs> talking to teams, um, saying that the Lamar Jackson is done with the Ravens. And then he's coming off his fully guaranteed uh, contract. I still kind of get the sense that teams don't want to negotiate on behalf of the Ravens until after the draft, at least. Where are you at on all this? Because this is a lot of odd shifting, Vegas, all this kind of stuff. It's starting to kind of sound like, is it is it going to be, we're going to get just close enough that we're going to be at like the front door of this nice mansion. We're right there. We're about to go in. Nice, cozy house. It's our house. And then someone's going to pull a lever and a trap door is going to, and we're just going to fall through. That's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, I I still would be just shocked if the Titans ended up with Lamar Jackson for, like, a ton of reasons. Um, But I I think the reports, I mean, the Fowler thing, like, he literally just said when you talk to other teams, other executives around the league, and ask them who they think, you know, teams that could be interested, they throw out uh, Tennessee, which, I mean, is like literally just speculation from somebody that, you know, I, I just, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that the Titans have actually had conversations or whatever, that this rogue agent uh, that apparently is is calling teams on his behalf is talking to, you know, Rand Carthon or whatever. It's just, it's just such a nothing report. Like, it just is nothing um, to get all stirred up about. The odds thing, and I feel like the odds move like crazy and, and the, sports books are just taking advantage of people like reading, reading reports and going crazy and thinking, all right, well, we can get people to throw a few you know dollars on, you know, this team or whatever. I just don't think, I don't think any of it matters. I don't think the Titans are going to end up with Lamar Jackson because again, I just don't, why would he want to come here? Why would he want to come here over staying in Baltimore? Um, I, I just, I, I mean, maybe he, they've pissed him off enough that he just wants out whatever. Um, Sure, maybe that's the case, but I don't know. I, I don't know why he'd want to be here uh, necessarily. And I still struggle with the idea of the Titans giving up multiple first-round picks, even if they are 2024 and 2025, and paying you know upwards of $200 million guaranteed, which will probably be about what it takes to actually get him you know to sign an offer sheet, to get a guy that, I mean – has struggled to stay healthy, you know, may not be able to get you over the hump at the end of the day. I mean, like, I just don't know. I don't know where it makes sense for everybody. I, I think this team is going younger. I think they're resetting. I just don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's not that I don't like Lamar. I think Lamar would be an upgrade. I think he'd be super fun to watch. I just, I don't know if he can stay healthy for 17 games consistently. And if he can't, then where are you, you know? Yeah. It's really weird because, like, on the one hand, you know, I wrote that article and I want it to come true. But on the second hand, you know, I'm just like, is it because that the Titans don't think that they're going to be able to get a young quarterback over the next two years, whichever those draft picks are? Is it because they truly believe in Lamar's talent? You know, I don't know what Ren Carthon and Mike Vrabel's connections or involvement were during that 
you know, 20, uh, 2017 draft, right? Yeah. Um, you know, what, what they were thinking, what, or no, it's 2018, 2018 draft, uh, what they were kind of involved in because, you know, Carthon was, you know, kind of involved in that kind of stuff. And Vrabel was obviously on another team and they had Deshaun Watson. So they really, you know, well, looking Vrabel at Lamar here. Jackson. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Vrabel was, was here. Because, because uh, they, they took uh, Rashawn Evans. Yeah. So, yeah they, Sorry. They I always forget. I, I keep getting my 2017, 2018 mixed up. Um, But like, so what, what is the, what is their, their investigation find into Lamar Jackson's background? You know, it's just, it's, it's an odd thing to think about. And it feels like it's kind of tangible, but it's highly unlikely. And I, I still am like, it's probable, like it's possible, but it's improbable. And I think yeah. that's just where I'm at. Um, until we, you know, it's just, it's a delicate tightrope to walk because if you don't get Lamar Jackson and you are one of the teams that publicly comes out and says, we are we are talking to Lamar Jackson's people. Well, now you're kind of in like this Jets Packers situation, right? Like, okay, if Ryan Tannehill is pissed off and you don't get Lamar Jackson, then you may have a Matt Ryan Atlanta Falcons situation on your hands, right? Yeah. Like, you know, he got pissed off and he left, and then you're left with nobody. I mean, you are left, you know, you're your shit's creek without a paddle. And, and then, not only that, but yeah. public perception looks like you just struck out on him or you whiffed on him or you were too cheap to pay, you know, what he wanted or whatever. Like there is, it is a PR loss. If you yeah, do because not especially if the Ravens just match it, right? Like if the Ravens right. match it, then you're, then you're really just like, you're just, yeah. it's you wasted up. all this time. You know, you got yeah. people's hopes up and then, uh, you know, rip the, rip the, uh, trap door out and you're back with Tannehill. Yeah. Maybe it, if, if he'll have you. Yeah, if he'll have you, I mean that's the thing. Then, then you're you're coming back begging because unless you, you know you're just in you're just in a bad situation. Um, I, this whole thing with Lamar Jackson, with DeAndre Hopkins, Kevin Byard, all plays into how the free agency has gone so far. And when I look at this free agent class and how we've come to get some of the players and what we've heard the players say, what they've talked about. They all aligns with the messaging of Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon. Since John Robinson got fired, Mike Vrabel's thing has been, we got to get versatile players. We got to get young. We got to get fast and we got to get violent. Rand Carthon comes in. We got to get young. We got to get fast. We got to get violent. We got to get smart players. And what do they go do? they get a bunch of young, smart, violent, fast players. It's kind of refreshing. And then they get them, and they get them on really inexpensive deals that set them up for something, Mike. And I want to get your opinion on this, because I wrote about this in an article I unleashed today, uh, the the Titans for Agency, the next wave, over at stackinginbox.com, $4 a month. At the very end, I come to this conclusion that like all these deals kind of set you up that these one year, two year essentially deals that are, you know, labeled three years, but they're two years essentially set you up to gain comp picks. And I, I think that's what they're building. Cause really when you think about the 49ers, you don't think of like the big free agent signings they do. You think about the big trades they've done. 
Yeah. And so like the free agent signings they've done have netted them comp picks over and over, but also given them competitive players that keep them in games and provide value. And I feel like this is kind of what that is. Yeah, I could see I could see that to some degree. I mean, I, I do think look, they've gotten good value in a lot of places, in my opinion, because if you look at what they've added, all these guys are kind of similar um, in the fact that maybe didn't have the biggest opportunity with their previous team. You know, they were stuck behind super talented players, you know, and Dillard was stuck behind Malata, who is, you know, not a, that is not, not any shame to be stuck behind Jordan Malata. Most, most tackles in the NFL would be stuck behind them if they were in that situation. And, and, you know, obviously Lane Johnson on the other side too. Um, Arden Key was, you know, last year was stuck behind uh, Josh Allen and Trevon Walker, who obviously was going to play and start because he was the number one overall pick, um, but still, you know, contributed consist- consistently for the Jaguars. Uh, you know, you've got Aziz Alshire, who was stuck behind Fred Warner and um, Dre Greenlaw in, in San Francisco, two really, really good linebackers. Sean Murphy bunting, kind of the same deal with Jamel Dean and, and some of the other corners that they've had in Tampa Bay the last few years. Of course, he started a bunch of games uh, over his time there, too. Um, you know, those kind of guys, I, I feel like are worthwhile bets because they're younger. Um, they, they have shown some talent. They flash some ability. They just haven't had the opportunity yet to really be on the field consistently and, and get that chance to be an every down starter. And I think that's where you can really win big. And look, say Aziz Alshire does hit and he's awesome for them this year, which I think is very much in play. You can definitely re-sign him. I mean, you could see the relationship with Rand Carthon and Aziz particularly uh, kind of shine through in, in their interactions and the way that Aziz talked about uh, Rand during the, the press conference that they had and everything like that. I, I think that is very clearly a strong relationship, and it goes back to, you know, Carthon helping be the one that, you know, brought him into San Francisco to begin with uh, and then building a relationship from there. So I think as long as you have that good relationship, you're going to get the the opportunity to bring that guy back and and keep him around long term if if that's what you choose to do. But if it doesn't work or if he's hurt again or whatever, then you can move on. Like this is they have not put themselves in a single contract that I feel like they are have almost any chance of regretting. I mean, at the very worst, these guys are going to play one year. They're going to say, "All right, it didn't work out. We're going to uh, say goodbye next year." And then they'll be out of it for minimal money and and move on down the road. It's not going to stick them with forty million dollars worth of dead cap charges like they're they're sitting on right now. From you know, Julio well, they only Jones have like and, if you exclude the unofficial cap numbers of Aaron Brewer and Tier Tart, they're they've only spent eleven million dollars in cap charges this month or this 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 yeah, yeah. offseason. It's a, them. T- uh, we still don't have Dillard and Sean Murphy Bunting. Yeah. But you got Nicholas Brinkine, Naquan Jones, Andre or um Arden Key, Aziz Al Shear, um Daniel Brunskill, Luke, Luke Gifford, and Luke Gifford. So you got six yeah. players that they have effectively signed or tendered that are official because yeah. Naquan Jones did sign his tender. That equals up to about eleven million dollars a cap hit. Yeah. John Robinson would have paid at least like one player, like $11 million cap it at some point. And it would have been a player that wouldn't have gone out to do anything. And then we'd be complaining about his contract. 
and what you're stuck with. You know, I see someone in here uh, talking about uh, restructuring Landry already. Like, no, like that is, I feel like that's just I mean, causing problems down the road too. The, arg- the argument for restructuring Landry would be his money, his salary for this year is guaranteed. So you're not adding any more guaranteed money to his deal. You're just moving the, the cap hits around. So I could like I could understand restructuring Landry if they need to to play the piggy bank Man, game. That just and, seems like you're banking on a guy to come back and like I don't know. I just seems like you're pushing off another year of well we can get out of this contract after a year such and such. Now it's going to be year such and such. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely think that's the injury issue kind of scares me now. Like if he re-injures himself, then again you're kind of stuck with a bad contract. That'd be like right. to me that's like the last resort of contracts. Yeah. I mean. I can see I can see an argument either way on that one, but it's uh, I do think they should avoid restructuring as much as they can, though, and I think they are, and I think that's why you've seen reports about Henry and Bayard and you know the rumors about Tannehill. I don't know that we've seen many concrete reports about Tannehill, um, but I think that's why they're looking at these contracts because if you can move off of deals and not add to the dead cap pile that you've already, you know, you're already trying to work through right now, then that's, that's a win-win because I mean, you get some more cap space to to add to the roster. They still, I mean, they still have a lot of work to do to me. Like they've got to sign at least one more offensive lineman, if not two, uh, they've got to sign a tight end. If not two, they've got to sign a wide receiver. If not two, they've got to sign, a defensive lineman, they've got to sign safeties, they've got to sign they I mean, don't have got- the money to do that right now. I mean, like 10 no, million dollars, that's don't. a lot of people. Not only that, but you have to so we got 10 million dollars in cap space, right? So 10.1. Yeah, 4.2 of that, 4.2 million of the draft class is gonna count towards that cap hit. Once you take yes. off, once you take off the top 51 that drops off to add the draft picks, it's like four point, I think it's up to four point eight right now. So four point yeah. eight. So there's half of it. So now you still got Dillard's contract to hit. That's probably going to be two or three million dollars, maybe four. Then you're right up against the cap again. Like it swings wildly, which is why they've asked and approached fired for a pay cut because I mean he's got a really big cap hit. And and but in the end of the day, they got so many holes they still have to fill. And you know, really, I was talking. I talked to myself into two things today while I was writing my uh, article over at StackinTheInbox.com. I think Kevin Raiders, the new Jeff Swain. Okay, okay. so there saves right. you some money. You still need one tight end. Okay, so let's see. You got Kevin Raiders, your new Jeff Swain. He was the best pass blocking and second best run blocking tight end last year. Okay. Then then you got Chico Conquo. So you really only need one more tight end, technically. Okay, yeah. so get that in the draft. The other thing is, is I think there's a reason why Jamarco Jones' stupid ass is still on this team. And I think, here's my conspiracy theory, because Andre Dillard at the press conferences on Monday said that the team told him they want to be, they want fast athletic linebacker or offensive linemen that get out in space. Yeah. Dylan Radins is that, but Dylan Radins is injured and he's yeah. cheap. I think that while he will be technically ready by the start of the NFL season, Dylan Radins, he won't be NFL play ready. Jamarco Jones buys you that time at the left guard spot. And I think I mean, that 
and I still think they need to draft one, but like I think yeah. we got to start looking in house for some of these replacements that we feel like they're they're in there. And I think that like Kevin Raiders one, it's not sexy, but you have no. to have a blocking tight end. So you really now need a jack of all trades tight end, kind of like what Austin Hooper was, but a better version of Austin Hooper. Right. That, and then you got to get you know sure you want to get a, a a stalwart left guard, but is your money better spent at maybe going after a wide receiver because at that point because you don't have anywhere to pull from for the wide receiver position so like right. that is yeah. the glaring hole right now yeah yeah the wide receiver to me is is definitely the biggest hole and and look i mean what you just mentioned about cap space and everything like imagine them trying to fit deandre hopkins uh, a Ooh. cap charge in for him right now with that i mean like you would definitely be restructuring and doing all this it stuff almost to, have to like, be the what was it uh um how they was it Tunsil that got traded for a player as well? Didn't uh, they traded Jadavion uh, Clowney and Tunsil? Was that what it was? Maybe uh, no, it was Tunsil and it was Tun yeah Tunsil and and they got back like a pass rusher or something like that. Yeah, so like it's uh, almost like you're gonna have to do something like that. Like if you're gonna trade for DeAndre Hopkins, you're gonna have to trade Kevin Byard or Jeffrey Simmons over to Arizona for DeAndre Hopkins and hope that you are getting picks back with DeAndre Hopkins oh, instead of giving picks yeah. up. Like yeah. it's, it's a mess. It's a disaster. It is. It, it's, it's a bad situation. I can't, I just cannot see them doing it. Yeah. I, I just can't. Um, Which and means I think you right. will do it by the way. I think like, you know, Jamarco <laughs> Jones is the starting left guard is, is absolutely in play uh, to start the season. I mean, that's who they were going to have Brewer competing with theoretically. And I think, I think the part of the thing is they like Brewer a lot more than Titans fans like Brewer. And I've said this consistently, like they really like Aaron Brewer. Um, and he definitely fits that like athletic can block in space descriptor that, uh, you know, Brunskill, I can't, was it Brunskill or no, Dillard was the one that threw that out. Yeah, uh, Dillard threw press that. Camp conference. And look, if that's the new mold of, of offensive line, and it's not that different from what they were theoretically looking for under John Robinson, but they just didn't yeah. do a great job of finding it. Um, but if that's the mold of what they're looking for, then definitely I would say Brewer fits that. And you're right, Raiden's fits that too. Um, you know, whether they can be a good enough player or not is a different question. But, right. you know, you fired your offensive line coach, maybe Hoteling's able to get more out of these guys, whatever, you know. Um, but I think the offensive line is there, – there may be a situation where, like, who would you call the best offensive lineman on this team right now? Is it Andre? No, it's Brunskill. It's Danny it? Bruns. Danny Bruns by far. Like Danny oh. Bruns is, he's a legit good offensive lineman. I've been on he's the Danny okay. Bruns train for a while. I, I think he's a legit good offensive lineman. I mean, he got beat up by a third round rookie last year. I mean, it's. Eh, stuff eh, happens. It's okay. Stuff happens. He's okay. Um, but I, I do think. Raiders, you know, a good call. I, I would love for them to sign Trevon Wesco just because I think he's he'd be yeah. a better version of what they're him or Mercedes Lewis are a better version yeah. of Raider, who's a better version of Jeff Swain. Agreed. Um, but yeah, I think you could just see like some guys getting elevated. And by the way, that's gonna be uh not not a very good roster if that's the case. Yeah. Like, because I mean you're looking at like Jordan Roos is almost a lock to make the roster at this point. Like <laughs> it, I mean, that's not great. Um, so I think that's if that is the route that they're going and they're trying to avoid restructure, that's that's what I would prefer them do because I don't want to kick the can down the road to sign Dalton Reisner um, or, you know, 
Nicole Hardman or whatever. I don't want to kick a bunch of money into the future just to right. get those guys on the rock. I would rather just not inst- needle movers. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing for me is like I would rather just keep what they got than go after and have to like do something crazy for these mid-tier free agents. Like if you're yeah. gonna go and do if you're gonna start restructuring people, and this does not include DeAndre Hopkins or Lamar Jackson, if you're gonna start restructuring people, go out and get a premier wide receiver or go see what you can get for like someone that's fallen out of favor or is unhappy with their situation at offensive line. Like really you should have gone after Isaac Siomola and you know, then there you go and get all that done. The, I don't know right now, the state of the the roster, like you said, you need two to three wide receivers. I am still of the belief you need three wide receivers because Nick Westberg, he could be cut. Right. I mean, like, or he could be wide receiver six, but you need someone to come in. I think to me, I think first off, they got to bring in Marvin Jones. Like, I know that's unsexy or whatever, but Marvin Jones gives you so much veteran presence and he's a lot, he's a, he's a better version of what Robert Woods was last year. Now, Robert Woods could come back a little bit to form. He's never been as athletic as Robert Woods, but Robert Woods last year was not athletic. I think he's a better version of like the possession type receiver that's going to yeah. be reliable to, and be in the right spot to catch the ball, and he could teach other guys to do it. And I think you still need to to sign another guy to go with that, whether that's Richie James or Michael Hardman or DJ Chark. Like one of those love, guys. Would be I would love Chark. I, I think Chark's a great fit. For yeah, I would be mean. fine with Chark, but I think you need Chark plus somebody else. Like, because yeah. what are you going to do? Draft two more wide receivers? Or are you really going to roll with the off chance that Nick Westbrook, Kine, and Kyle Phillips are one's going to get injured, the other one is going to, you know, take considerable playing time because the other person got injured? And and I do think there's something to the fact also that I feel like that that group needs an adult in the room, um, right? Because I mean, we're looking at this group, and Nick Westbrook, Kine is by far the most experienced receiver on this roster right now, by far. Um, and he's the only one who has appeared in more than 14 NFL games uh, to this point in their careers. Like, Racing McMath, I think, is second. Uh, I, I want Racing McMath off this team so bad. I'm done with Racing McMath. Yeah, I mean, like, look, right now you're looking at Traylon Burks, Nick Westbrook-Akine, Kyle Phillips, Racing McMath, Reggie Roberson, I guess. Uh, I forgot Reggie Roberson's out there. I, um, I'm, big, I'm a big Reggie Roberson fan, but yeah, uh, I'm mean, not going to entrust look, him to be anything other than like a poor man's like Richie James. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you want him to be like a surprise guy that they cut that they keep it on you know cut down day of like oh yeah. man he made it and he's going to be you know probably inactive on game days but you know what a big step for him. He ain't Deontay uh, Burton me this time <laughs> no no um but yeah they they have got to go get a receiver to me um, and and i think Traylon Burks needs somebody that he can like look up to to some degree in that room like obviously i mean the coaches are the coaches like rob moore is is the guy that is charged with developing uh Traylon Burks. but I, I think it always helps to just have and i think that's why they went and got robert woods last year is they knew that they needed that um, if they were going to draft a, a young wide receiver and, and they did obviously, but it didn't work out with woods and money wise, they just could not justify keeping them, but they do need some, someone in that Robert Woods role. Uh, even if it's not the best player, like, I mean, look, it, if you just want to go get the fastest players out there, like you can, but you know, I do think there's some value to be had in 
a Marvin Jones who by all means is like basically like a second receivers coach um, in that room that could really help develop Burks and some of these other guys uh, while giving you some, you know, passable wide receiver play as well. So I think, I think to me, it's clear that drafting a receiver is the way to get the best, uh, like most explosive talent in that group right now, because the, the free agents class is terrible. Um, the trade market, I don't love. I mean, I, I would like Jerry Judy if he was a lot cheaper, but again, I, 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 I think the only one I'm sense. really interested in is like T Higgins. I mean, Higgins would be, would be and great. I'm sure that's going to be expensive out the ass to get. That would probably cost number 11. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, so then it becomes whether you would rather have Higgins or, you know, your favorite wide receiver in this draft class, which I, I'd probably rather have Higgins. Um, but that also means you're paying $25 million a year or whatever he's going to get. Uh, I like Marvin Jones also from a standpoint that, you know, he would be playing against the Jaguars twice a year as well as Arden Key is. And it's just like a little added juice to the fire. I did like, I did. I loved Arden Key's press conference, by the way. That was fantastic. Um, lots of him and Aziz's, uh, press conferences were top notch. Very, very good. Very, very good. Hope they get to talk more. Uh, as the season goes on. But yeah, very excited about those two. So we're in agreement that they need like two to three wide receivers. I, I am like three minimum because I, I just don't want NWI to have like a really easy path to <laughs> to a roster spot. No, I mean, no I think Kyle like, Phillips yeah, yeah, will yeah. be on the team. Um, right. And then like one of one of McMath or NWI is probably going to be on the team. I, I think that's just if reality. Just get Matt Landers. UDFA. Okay, don't spend a draft pick on, but if we get him as a UDFA, he comes in and he could push those guys out. That'd be fantastic. That's fine. I'm totally good with that. I mean, that, yeah. that's like a, that is such a just afterthought role back there. And look, I, we I say think, that, but then it's a major role at some point because of injuries oh, yeah. and all that stuff. Well, and that's the thing too. I mean, look, if you took any team's wide receiver core, and this is what people drive me crazy about with the NWI thing, because they're like, well, you know, he's going to be the wide receiver too at some point next year because all the receivers get hurt. Look, if you put any NFL roster out there and you took away their top three receivers and you had their wide receiver four and five playing, it would be bad. Like it would be a bad situation. So look, they definitely need guys that will stay healthy and stay on the field next year, but that doesn't change the fact that like NWI is a pretty good special teams player. And like, He's fine in that role. He has experience in that role. Um, I think it's okay if he's on the team. He just doesn't need to be wide receiver three or wider or anything more than that, obviously. Right. Um, so it's fine if he's on the team. Oh man, so many holes and like, you know, you, you you get in there and you're talking about it and you're talking about all these free agent signings. You're talking about like, oh, you can get Tyler Croft or you can get Dalton Risner. And listen, as the days and weeks go on and there are players still out there, the cheaper that they become. But you kind of have to like throw a little bait out there to kind of like reel them in and keep them on the line until you're ready to pull the trigger. But I think that the reason that you're not seeing a lot of triggers being pulled by the Tennessee Titans is because they're kind of in cap hell and they got to get this Andre Dillard situation, whatever it's going to be out there. They got to get Sean Murphy bunting situation, whatever it is going to be out there, which I want to talk about Sean Murphy Bunting real quick. That'll be the, this is how we close the show. Sorry, not talking about Josh Dobbs and a backup fucking quarterback. I know everybody else is going to be, but fuck that shit. Before we, before we get into yeah. uh, Sean Murphy bunting, I do want to say, I think, I think they've probably got to make one contract move 
as far as existing players on the roster mm-hmm. before they make another significant signing. Yeah, like maybe they I agree. Fit in another like million or two, but I think there somebody's contract is going to be cut, traded, or restructured here soon. I mean, that's yeah. take that's the just, pay cut, yeah. Briard, you you sissy. Take the pay yeah. cut. Quit giving money to MTSU. <laughs> Uh yeah, for real. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't have to worry about a pay cut if you quit giving money to MTSU. God dang, bad financial planning. Okay, Sean Murphy Bunting was was announced signed. I really liked it. Maybe it's a little bit of name recognition, and I because I said that you know like I watched Tampa Bay play, but I don't really know any of the player numbers when they're all playing on defense, and it's usually on red zone or something like that. I'm usually just watching for fantasy purposes. And I, and I see people that are Tampa Bay fans, people that are analysts of Tampa Bay, just really do not like Sean Murphy Bunting. And I think it's because he never lived up again to the... He had a real hard time capturing the glory that was that magical Super Bowl postseason run for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in 2019. So, or 2020. Um, gosh, I'm mixing up all my years uh, right now. So. I was like, he can't be that bad because, you know, I put together a free agency uh, tracking list at, for stackingtheinbox.com subscribers, and I put that together, and I'm, I remember him being towards the top. I remember that he is a, um, you know, had a high yeah. coverage craze. Like, he can't be that bad. And so I go and look at, you know, his stats, and, you know, he's the eighth best coverage grade out of corners with a minimum of 250 snaps, okay? 250 coverage snaps. Eighth best coverage grade, second best yards per reception allowed. He only allowed 7.8. Second best receiving yards allowed, 171 yards allowed in the entire regular season. The 19th best reception percentage allowed, 55%, which is still pretty damn good. It's just that, you know, there were a couple that were 40s and under. 19th best passer rating allowed, 78.2, which is still pretty good when targeted. So I just like, you know, I also heard, um, here you go. Here's 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 you all some Stillman hate to uh, to feed the fishes here. Um, I heard him say that he watched film on Sean Murphy Bunting yesterday. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I can't wait to hear what this is about. And he says this guy, he um, he lines up 15 yards off the receiver, reminds him of Valentino Blake or and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay. But for him to line off that much, but only allow 7.8 yards per reception, which is the second best yards per reception. Left. That doesn't jive. That doesn't jive with what I'm I'm hearing and reading and people are saying about this guy. I don't get it to Can you help me make sense of it all? I mean, and look, he's also an RAS darling too. Like he's a very athletic guy, uh, tested through the, through the roof, has good size, all that stuff. I, I think this is what it comes down to. I think he's a good athlete. Um, I think he had some splash plays. He, I mean, he had some some plays where he gets beat too, which all corners do. Um, but look, if you are simply watching snaps where a player gets targeted, and I don't, I don't know that this is the case or whatever. But those are not. That's not a good sample size because that is selection bias to a T, where you're picking the the plays where he actually gets targeted because maybe he gets beat. Um, whereas there's a whole host of other plays that you're not seeing where he has good coverage. So, to me. I think this is a combination of things of I think Sean Murphy Bunting is fine. I don't think he's a lead or anything like that. He's fine. Um, but he's a, I think about an average starting corner uh, in the league. I think he had really good moments. I mean, he had the playoff run where he had three picks 
um, for the Bucks on their way to that Super Bowl win, which, you know, they probably don't win the Super Bowl on him because uh, those were huge plays in those games, and they weren't exactly blowing teams out the whole way uh, to that, that Super Bowl. Um, so I think he's a good player. I think he's a good signing. And I also think fans always hate corners. Always. Like, fans hate corners so much. Like, Malcolm Butler was really good here for several years. Fans hated him. Fans absolutely hated him. Fans hated Adoree Jackson, who was good here towards the end of his career. Fans have hated almost every corner that the Titans have had on their roster. We, we talked about we said the last, Fulton now. Yeah, we said the last universally liked uh, Titans corner was Alteron Werner. Like, that guy Probably. never had anything bad said about him, and everybody loved him. Couldn't believe he went to sign at Tampa Bay, and the, the Titans let him go, and then he went and did nothing. <laughs> And yeah, Ultron Burner is. is a super, I have met him numerous times, and he's a super, super nice guy. One of the nicest players. In fact, hey, he's one of the nicest fucking human beings I've ever met in my life. And so oh. I loved Alteron Verner. But hey, he is TV. the last guy that everybody in the fan base was like, that guy, thumbs up. Yeah. I mean, everyone hates corners. So when, when you see, like, Bucks fans, and they're like, God, I'm so glad he's gone. All he did was give up catches. That's what Titans fans say about every corner that comes through this building. So it's just, I mean, because most of the time you only notice them when they're giving up a catch, right? Like it's it's a it's a binary thing. When a ball is thrown in their direction, are they breaking it up or giving up a catch? Most of the time they're going to be giving up a catch because that's just the way that NFL works. That's why, you know, quarterbacks don't have, 65 plus per completion percentage for nothing. I mean, that, that is the law of the world. I mean, <laughs> they, you aren't going to get a bunch of corners out there that, for, that, that have 40% Willis, completion right? percentage allowed, you know? You, oh yeah. You can really help your completion percentage if you uh, play against Malik Willis. <laughs> exactly. But I think he's a good player. I think he's, again, he's a bet worth taking because he's like 25 years old. He's a excellent athlete, good size, inside, outside versatility, has, you know, a lot of experience, has made some big plays like I talked about. There's nothing wrong with it, especially for the value. I mean, up to $5 million. We don't know the details yeah. or how much of that might be incentive-based. But um, even if it's a $5 million flat you know, number, I'm fine with that for him because they need, they need, again, competence in that corner room, and he gives them a lot of options. Like One of the problems that they ran into, I think, was they didn't have any speed in the slot. Like Molden, for all of his positives, is slow in the slot, even, you know, when he's healthy, um, which has been very rare here. Um, McCreary isn't a terribly fast player. Fulton is probably the fastest of the corners that they've got right now, but, I mean, he's not like a burner. So Murphy Bunting might actually be their fastest corner on the team now, and you can line them up in the slot. So if you've got one of those speed slot players, um, you have somebody who can actually run with those guys vertically. So I think he... You have Chris Harris and Mike Frable. Like, yeah. I feel like that is so important to the discussion <laughs> when you're talking about certain players and when you're bringing them in. And this is, I, I mean, like, the defense is where you can pretty much hang your hat on right now. But, like, don't you think Chris Harris, future defensive coordinator, probably after this, this season, more than likely, which will be terrible for us, and I, I'll miss him already. <laughs> I already miss him. But... Him and Vrabel will take a guy that is, and John Ledyard is the guy who kind of shat on him first, but he said that he's really good man to man. 
So if you play him man-to-man, you're good. You give Chris Harris and Mike Vrabel a guy that is really good in man-to-man, I think they're going to do some wonderful things with them that are going to help out this defense. I am not saying he's going to be in the Hall of Fame and he's an All-Pro next year or anything like that. I'm just saying that he's going to be better than what we saw take the field the last few years at corner. I think that you're getting a guy out of steel that's got to be out to prove it. He's going to be hungry. And here's the most important thing. He is a guy that is a film junkie. He loves coming in early to watch film. He has a great work ethic. And what has Mike Vrabel talked about? Is 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. guys. Now you got a 6 a.m. to probably like 6 p.m. guy. You got a guy that's putting in 12 hours a day who loves watching film with his coaches. That's like a Mike Vrabel, Chris Harris built in a laboratory infused with the personality that they want, right? Like they want a guy that can play man to man. They haven't had a guy that they can trust that can play man to man since probably Malcolm Butler, at least Titans haven't. And they're wanting that guy to come in and he, all he's going to do, he's probably already, I mean, he's put out like 15 tweets. I've already like in my head, like have already said, I'm going to have to mute Sean Murphy buddy on Twitter. They put out way too many tweets and they got emojis in them and all this. And I'm like, okay, let's settle down guy. Like glad you're here, but let's settle down. There's um, a normal 25 year old. Yeah. And, but he, he's probably already like in the building watching Phil. Like that is what I've gathered from all these other people that have followed the Tempe Buccaneers. Like it's not for a lack of trying. It's just that he's not, a, he's, he's had a little bit of trouble here and there. Contested catches, of course, 171 yards of totally allowed. That's pretty damn good. I'm just saying, like, I think Mike Vrabel, Chris Harris, Sean Murphy Bunting, that's a damn good combination to put together to try to get the most out of a guy that another team and another fan base has given up on. Yeah. And, and also think uh, this is another kind of potential area where I think we might see some of the Vrabel Robinson disconnect stuff. Uh, you know, I think he's talked, you know, the wide receiver thing, I think was obvious that, that Vrabel was not thrilled with the wide receivers he was provided with last year. Um, but I also think, you know, Brable talked when Logan Ryan left about getting faster in the slot because that's a, a position that people run vertical routes out of now. Like they will attack you vertically in the slot and you need to get faster in the slot. And then John Robinson goes out and drafts Elijah Molden, who's like a four six guy. Hey, don't like, forget I mean, they signed uh, Kevin Johnson that offseason. Wasn't well, that that yeah, offseason? It's not, yeah, they and signed then he Kevin Johnson. Retires. Yeah, and then he retires like two months after signing the contract. Um and, and Molden is drafted, and I'm like, I mean, I like Molden. I like a lot of what he does, but it doesn't match at all with what Vrabel stated he wanted out of the slot when they moved on from Logan Ryan. So I kind of wonder if this isn't Mike Vrabel getting a guy that he's like, this is what I actually wanted in the slot. I wanted somebody who could run vertically and could cover some of these faster slot receivers uh, man-to-man because, look, they – Vrabel has also talked about running, wanting to run more man coverage and, and things like that. And they just have not had the horses to do it at corner. So they have been almost forced into being a predominantly zone team. And I think it's against Vrabel's will. I don't think he wants to be a predominantly zone team. I think he wants to play more man, which they do on third downs, but they do not run much man on, on early downs. So I'm interested to see 
how they deploy these corners, who wins what role, because I, I think the most logical one is is that Murphy Bunting gets the slot and then it's McCreary and Fulton yeah. outside. And I don't know. I, I'm not completely sold that Christian in. Fulton's on this team. Well, I mean, I, I still, yeah, I think that's possible. You that trade him. $1.3 um, cap saving, only $360 or $360K in dead money. You yeah. trade him to a different team. Just saying. I, I think, then you draft a corner. I think draft it's more Joey likely Porter. that Fulton is here, but he is let walk next, next offseason. I, yeah. I think that's probably the route it goes. But, I mean, that's a pretty good – that you could run man defense out of that cornerback group. I think that all, all those guys fit what you would want out of a man coverage team. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting to watch the corners and how they develop under Chris Harris and, and what they look like with this new addition because I do think this gives them a lot more options. I can see Molden being more of a you know nickel-dime kind of player who comes in. Yeah, I got um, a solution for your Molden thing here. Uh, yeah. When they cut Kevin Byard, <laughs> he could just put Molden in safety. safety. I, I mean, honestly, I think Molden likely moves into like the Lonnie Johnson role, like where he's like your dime uh, defensive back that comes on the field and you've got six DBs, one linebacker, that kind of setup. Um, <laughs> but yeah, maybe maybe he is the, the Byard replacement potentially. Um, yeah, and it'd be interesting to see if they cap. tinker with that. I don't know. I, I I love the SMB signing. I just like we've said, we said it last week when there were different signings. Now there's a few more. This has not changed. What could happen at the at the NFL draft? If Joey Porter or Christian Gonzalez are there at number eleven, I would not be surprised for them to go after him. If Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson there are crazily at number eleven, I would not be surprised if they drafted him. It, it does not matter. You can at this point. With the quarterback situation and the offensive makeup of this team, the only way you could compete with all these other offenses in the AFC and in your own division that are probably getting younger and getting better quarterbacks is to stop the quarterback. And Mike Vrabel is acquiring the pieces necessary that he's been trying to get so let's look at it this way. You talk about that, like, oh, he hasn't been given, you know, main coverage corners. He hasn't been given fast defensive players. He hasn't been given this. He hasn't been given that. And he still has put together a pretty damn good defense, right? He's been able to hang with Joe Burrow in games. He's been able to keep Patrick Mahomes from going crazy, and they're hanging in games with them, sometimes winning it. They've been pretty good, successful against Josh Allen. So they've been successful against these elite quote unquote elite quarterbacks. Um so why not now that if he's getting the players that he wants <laughs> and the type of players that he needs to run his defense even better, why wouldn't this be a little bit more the better way to build the team in 2023 if you want to remain competitive? Because I feel like the offense is a little far away. If you, the idea is for the team to be competitive. And that's what Arden Key said, all the players said. They were like, hell fucking yeah, we're going to come back for this division. That's what Mike, Mike or Jim Wyatt has alluded to. It's what Mike Vrabel and Ray Carthen alluded to, that they are aiming to be competitive. The best path for this team currently to be competitive is to limit the opposing team's offense. And that means that you're going you need to kind of build defensively right now. Yeah. I mean, I honestly I think the defense is mostly built. Uh, I mean, it is yeah. 
in really good shape. I think they've got starters basically at all the spots set um, at this point. Uh, you know, the depth is not good. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Rashad Weaver fan. Um, I'm, you know, I, I think they could use another defensive lineman behind Tier Tartan, Jeffrey Simmons, and uh, Danico Autry. Uh, they've got no safety depth whatsoever. So the the depth is still pretty thin. Um, but the starters are really good. I, this is going to be a good defense. I, I I definitely think, you know, top 10-ish defense if they stay healthy, which, of course, huge if, whatever. Um, but I, I do think the offense is a little ways away. And I think the offense is going to keep them from being, like, really, really competitive uh, as far as, you know, maybe even winning the division. I, I don't think they're going to win the division. Um, but I think they're – they're going to be okay. They're going to be competitive. I, and I've never thought they would actually tank, like just blow it all up and trade everyone and intentionally be bad. I, didn't, I don't think almost any team does that. I mean, the Colts did it when Peyton Manning got hurt and they refused to replace him and just rolled with Matt Painter uh, for a year. But outside of that, I, I really struggle to remember a team fully tanking a full season. Um for a better draft pick that just does not happen at the NFL level. Um, and I think it's, it's probably one of the reasons that that sport is uh, so popular is that every team has some hope uh, heading into a season because they, they teams do a pretty good job of giving their fans hope. Um, so to me, it's, it's, you know, fill out some depth. It's go get, you know, a couple more pieces on offense. If you can, like, especially young pieces that could be around for, 2024 and beyond preferably um and then go hard in the draft on offense like just load up uh go get jackson smith and jigba who i think is by far the best wide receiver in the class i i would i would like to have him at 11 at this point um unless i mean i'll say this if if paris johnson jr to them is a higher grade than jackson smith and jigba take paris johnson jr just take the best player available because you desperately need a blue chip prospect on offense out of this draft to me because you just don't have them anywhere besides Derrick Henry who's 30 um and maybe Traylon Burks like if he pans out so I, I think those are that's where you've got to go from here to me well that will do it for us this has been football under the words I was thought for sure we were going to make it to under an hour but we didn't but that's okay it's just how we how we roll on this uh podcast we're not confined. We're beholden to nobody. We just like to talk. And we love to talk about the Tennessee Titans, even when they break our hearts or do something stupid. And we love that you all listen to us. So rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to the 440 Sports YouTube page. Subscribe to the Broadway Sports Media YouTube page. Make sure you get all the notifications and turn those on for when we go live. Because this is a live video show where you get to see our faces. You get to see my reactions. You can see... You know, Mike uh, stare at his computer screen when I'm talking because he hates looking at me. He's always got to be busy. He, he hates making eye contact with me because I like to look in the camera and, and try to stare at him. But <laughs> this this is this is a video show, so please come watch the video. Come join us whenever we go live, and then you can if you turn on notifications, you can figure out when the Hot Read podcast when they go live, and you can interact with them the Music City Audible podcast, when they go live. Do they go live? I don't think they do. I think they just pre-record. Of course, they're, they're in that weird Canadian-California time zone. Um, then you got all the 440 sports. You know, you got uh, Lamestream Sports. 
You have a football show. They, we go live. Fringe Element. Turn on those notifications. All kinds of stuff for you guys to enjoy. It is the most comprehensive podcast that work with the partnership of Broadway Sports Media and 440 Sports. Uh, for Mike Kernan at Mike Kernan NFL, you can get all of his writings at PaulKarski.com. I'm Zach Lyons at FWordSpot on Twitter. You can get all my writing at StackingTheInbox.com. This has been Football and Other F-Words, and you have just been effed. 